Welcome to this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast on this 29th of October 2018. I'm your host, The Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, we are streaming live on uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can catch the broadcast anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes after we're done. Uh, we'll transfer this over to Blog Talk Radio as well and also Anchor. So we will be everywhere everywhere in terms of the uh, various platforms so catches as soon as the program is done facebook not not so much tonight blog talk radio i would say later on tonight somewhere in the 10 30 10 30 to 11 o'clock range depending you know or i may drop it tomorrow morning but youtube you can always find us on youtube itunes.apple.com real deal podcast as we are live on this Monday evening, this nice, crisp fall Monday evening. And we're going to begin the program with the first five. Boston Red Sox are world champions again, their first title since 2013. Their fourth in 15 years. No, no team in no team has more championships during that time, during that time frame. San Francisco Giants are, are, are second with three, followed by St. Louis Cardinals with two. Uh, just, you know, listen. They were the best team from spring to fall, had the best record in the spring, best overall, best record during the season, and dominated throughout the course of the playoffs. I did not think over the course of the season, and I said it. I said it during the course of the season, I did not think that Boston was going to win a championship. I did not. I wasn't completely sold on their starting pitching. I wasn't completely sold on their bullpen, but... Give uh, give Alex Cora a lot of credit how he used his bullpen. Uh, Porcello uh, putting Porcello, David Price in the bullpen at times. Price to, to me totally redeemed himself in terms of I don't want to hear any more about David Price not coming up coming up big in the postseason. I know his record still will not reflect that, but he was tremendous from uh, the last game in Houston on in, in, over the course of this series. Finished. Uh, Won his last three starts, was great last night, taking them into the eighth and uh, taking them into the eighth inning. And right now, the Boston Red Sox are the preeminent franchise in all of baseball. It's without question, they're going to be around for a long, long time. Nothing but a lot of young, talented players. They won this championship without Chris Sale even being Chris Sale, as he was limited, limited with some of his injuries, um, but still was effective as he. Struck out, basically struck out the side and made made, made Manny Machado look like, uh, you know, a double A hitter. Um, basically striking him out to a point. Made him look so bad, he made him fall down, which is, which is something you don't want to see if you're, uh, if you're a hitter. That's like a, getting crossed over. That's like getting crossed over in basketball. But regardless of that, uh, congratulations to Red Sox. Uh, they certainly were the best team in baseball. A lot of, a lot of people talking about the Dodgers window championship window closing for possibly getting to the world series i don't see it uh they have they have a plethora of resources they have a, a great ownership they always have uh they always have top prospects coming up out of their farm system i don't see all of a sudden the dodgers are going to fall off the map and not be able to compete for uh not be able to uh, get to the playoffs i mean they, they have won six straight division titles i mean who out that division who in that division is going to knock the dodgers off you trust the Diamondbacks. You trust the Rockies. The Giants are still in transition. We'll see what the Giants do in, in the offseason with free agency. But 
If you're telling me the Giants, if the Giants don't emerge, I don't see any of any of these other teams knocking uh in the knocking the Dodgers off. But um, again, 30 years and counting since the Dodgers won their last championship. That's a long time for a, a proud franchise, for a franchise that that over the course of the you know has been a disappointing disappointment from a standpoint of getting to the postseason and coming up small. There are certain franchises in baseball that are step-up franchises. St. Louis is a step-up franchise. They always perform in the postseason when they get there. The Giants are a step-up franchise, always perform in the postseason. Boston has become a step-up franchise. Uh, when they get to the World Series, they dominate. They don't just perform in the World Series. They dominate. So the Dodgers fall into that category as being a franchise that just you know, it's kind of Atlanta Brave like without the championship. Uh, at least Atlanta, over the course of their dominance, won one championship. The Dodgers, right now, you know, has to be has to be shaking their heads on why they can't get over, why they cannot get over the hump and get at least one championship. But I don't think that they're going to fall off the cliff so much to to, to where they won't be a factor in terms of making the playoffs next year. I don't see that happening. They even they lose Machado. I don't. I don't understand. I don't see how you can let uh, Kershaw go. I know uh, Kershaw has has an opt out. They can opt out and then sign him to a you know a, a, a you know a ten a five year you know two hundred and forty million dollar contract. Something that I don't see. I don't see the Dodgers getting outbid outbid for uh, Clayton Kershaw again. Machado. I don't expect to be on a team, but uh, a team that's playing young talent. They will be back next year in the playoffs. Ty Lue is out as Cleveland Cavalier head coach. Lue, of course, took over for David Blatt back in January of 2016 and was a part of a Cleveland team that would go to the finals three straight years under him. Win a championship that same season in 2016. Now, we'll never say that Tyrone Ty, Ty, Ty Lue led Cleveland on that to a, to a championship and led Cleveland to three straight final, finals. Everybody knows, we all know that LeBron James was the catalyst and basically the coach, uh, basically the, the pseudo coach. But the bottom line is, there are a lot worse coaches than, than Ty Lue. And I frankly think that Ty Lue was done a favor from getting getting fired. If there's such thing as getting fired and, 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 and as your boss or your supervisor doing you a favor in terms of getting fired, this was definitely the case. That franchise was going nowhere. If you're Ty Lue, you still care about your record, your win-loss record. You don't want to accumulate, have a 50 or 60 loss season, which they were headed to headed to on your record. So 0-6, you know, you can easily make that up if you go to another winning team and or if he gets another job, you can knock out you can knock out those six losses off your record. But trying to but trying to uh trying to uh fix your record with a you know having a 10-win season or a 15-win season. You don't want that on your record. So, Ty Lue, he can collect his checks, uh, do some TV, and be back and maybe get an assistant job in the next year or so. Um, he'll get another shot as a head coach. I, I have no doubts that he'll get another shot because because NBA coaches get fired seemingly two to three, two to three or four a year. So, I expect Ty Lue to get another head coaching job in the next couple of years or so. He'll probably, again, he'll do his rounds on the television, on TV, and probably he has an assist first, but I expect expect him to be a head coach within the next couple uh, within the next couple of years. Rick Pitino wants an NBA job. 
Uh, he's putting out feelers uh, to get a, uh, to get a job. Putting you know putting himself out there in terms of, in terms of wanting to work in the NBA. Listen, I would not be surprised if some franchise with a with a nuts or with a crazy owner goes after Rick Pitino. I'm telling you, NBA NBA owners will hire coaches out of the blue. They're going. It's it, this is not it, yet. 2018 NBA does not look like what 2010. Even 2015 NBA looks like you have a bunch of these franchises uh, thinking outside the box with this with analytics and just you know you see the Lakers even with their tradition hiring Rob Palenka who's an ex agent to be their basically to be basically their general manager. So these a lot of these franchises are thinking completely outside the box. So again, NBA the NBA does not care about what what transpired with Rick Pitino. At Louisville, these are grown men. Uh, they want to worry about those types of rules and stuff like things of that nature. By NCAA violations and all of that. Um, I, again, I would not hire Rick Pitino myself to run to uh, coach or be any, any, anywhere near my uh, franchise. But I would not be surprised if a franchise took a chance on hiring uh, on hiring Rick Pitino. It just wouldn't shock me. Steph Curry has made Steph Curry has seven straight games where at least five or more three pointers made uh, per game. Uh, Curry is also a fast start. He's at, he's lead, leads the league in scoring at thirty three point nine. He had the fifty one point outburst. Um, he had the fifty one point outburst a, a couple of nights ago against the Wizards. Um, Golden State is also a relatively fast start at six and one. They have Curry and Durant both averaging over thirty points a game. So it seems like Golden State. It's pushing a little bit harder, um, pushing a little bit harder to begin the season. Seems like they care a little bit more about having the best record in the league. Again, Steph Curry, right right now, you have to consider Curry to be one of the top three point guards in the history of the sport. I mean, you could put Magic, Oscar. I would, that's how we we'll go: Magic, Oscar, and then Curry. That's those are my three greatest point guards of, of all time right now. He will finish. No lower than second. Uh, he'll never pass Magic. It's just, it's just not going to happen. But he will finish no lower than second when it comes to all-time greatest point guards in NBA history. And I say that when his career is done, that he'll be considered one of the top 15, 12 to 15 players of all time. And who, you know, who would have thought this back four years ago? You know, four or five years ago when he had all that, when he had all those ankle issues and which caused him to get a. Uh, you know, a basically a bargain basement contract that allowed Golden State to make the moves, some, a lot of the moves that they can make. So, right now, Curry is at the, completely at the top of his game, third best player in the world, without question. It's not even a debate about who the best point guard in the league is. That that debate ended years ago, and right now he is just pushing. He is just pushing that argument, uh, pushing himself that much further ahead to to the, uh, to the rest of the competition. Just getting started here on this last edition. Oh, whoa. One last one. Last one. I could, how could I forget this one? Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley out as head coach and offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Capitals. Cleveland, um, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is at 2-5-1 on the season. They're coming off, you know, rel- have been playing relatively hard for the most part of the season with the four overtime games, but have been embarrassed in the last two games against uh, San Diego and Pittsburgh, last, Pittsburgh yesterday. Now, I wouldn't have brought back Hugh Jackson after when a guy goes one and thirty-one, his first two years as head coach. It should be a pretty, should be a pretty good sign that he may be not cut out to be a head coach in the NFL.
So Cleveland has nothing, nothing to nobody to blame but themselves. I would not brought I would not have brought Hugh Jackson back following the 2017 season. Matter of fact, I mean, I may have fired him after 2016 when he was one and fifteen, but there's no way in the world that I'm bringing him back after an 0-16 season. They could have started out fresh. They had to uh, had Baker Mayfield, had some other young talent that he had drafted, and went from there. There's still talent on this team. There's still a lot of talent on this team. When you talk about the likes of a, uh, you talk about the likes of, of Miles Garrett and some other position players, some other uh, skill play, skill players that they have. Um, I think I think the, the job is not as bad as it, as, it, as it once was as far as the talent. Now, the front office, the ownership is not the greatest. We know that they're not that they're not sound front office they have some issues in terms of that but the talent they have some piece they have some nice talent Mayfield has played better than it than I thought he would play actually has some ability now again I don't know if he's going to be a franchise quarterback but he does have he does have ability so you know Greg Williams is going to be the intern probably for the rest of the year if you're Cleveland in the offensive league I, they're probably going to be geared towards an offensive guy Coming coming in the off season, but again, that job is is much more attractive than what it, what it once was. Uh, what it once was in Cleveland up until the last up until uh, up until the last couple of weeks have been very competitive. They had played well, one had won a couple of games, but these last two games the wheels came off, and it got to a point to where you know when you had when you when you have Jackson and Haley going back and forth, uh, when you have your coach questioning your offensive coordinator. And you know when that comes out, out when that comes out in public, comes out in the media, is talking about it. Uh, I guess they felt the need to where you know from their eyes they didn't want that to seep into the play of Baker Mayfield. To me, but again, to me, I wouldn't have brought back Hugh Jackson following last season. That's where that's where the mistake was made. Um, that's where the mistake was made. The mistake was made. They could have started out fresh. Had a, a new up and coming coordinator with his defensive offense to take over that team and went from there. That's again, that job is very much uh, not, again, it is not the worst job in the NFL. There are, some, there, are some, there are some jobs that are much worse than that. They do have some talent, so we'll see what happens over the course of the season uh, for the rest of the season. But Greg Williams will be, who, has, who of course has head coaching experience, will be the interim head coach for the, uh, for the rest of the season. NFL Week 8, you have the Washington football team, again, uh, not extending their league, but improving to 5-2 with a 20-13 victory over the New York Giants. This game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was, but we know Washington struggles to score. Uh, again, uh, Washington had, uh, you know, scores when struggled, and I mean struggled to score 20 points. Uh, they needed an Adrian Peterson 64-yard touchdown to finally uh, basically seal the uh, seal the game, uh, seal the game for Washington as uh, as the Giants had cut the lead down to 13 to 10. As the Giants had had, had, had trimmed the lead, um, that came close, but um, but again that that a uh, Adrian Peterson's touchdown run was the uh, was the nail in the coffin. Peterson ends up with 147 yards rushing. Alex Smith, you know, makes a couple plays. 
but it was all about the Washington defense, which knocked Eli, Eli, Eli Manning around seven sacks, two interceptions. One of the interceptions was not Eli's fault, but no one in New York wants to hear that. And the Giants are the worst team in football. There's no question in my mind. Maybe not from a talent standpoint, but in terms of how they play and how they compete, and how poorly they're coached. They are the worst team. In, they are the worst team in football and will be a prime candidate for that number one draft pick. And, you know, right now, again, you know, the easy scapegoat for New York is to blame Eli Manning. Eli Manning is a, it's not even, they have so many problems, that have, so many organizational problems that, have, that, that go deeper than just the quarterback. Now, yes, they need to draft, they need to draft the quarterback. Which they should draft it this year. They should draft a Darnold, Sam Darnold, without question. Even though I like, but Saquon Barkley again, Barkley cannot play quarterback. They they have organizational dysfunction um, that allows a that allows a Odell Beckham to basically to basically run the team. So they have again the offensive line. The offensive line is mediocre. The defensive line is not getting a pass rush like they used to. So. Giants have a myriad of problems, but that is not the problem of the Washington football team as they improved to five and two. More importantly, two and zero in the NFC East and five and one in the conference. Uh, in the, in the conference, with their only loss coming to the Saints a few weeks back. Um, again, I don't. I don't feel that Washington. Is a contender in the AMC in a conference with the Rams or the Saints or even the Packers for that matter. I think I don't think they're as good as Green Bay or, or good as Green Bay. But you are in a division that can be that can be had. Uh, I still think Philly, worst coming to worst, that Philly probably still the team to beat in that division. But we'll see that Philadelphia game when next time when they play Philadelphia, that game to me will decide the division if Washington can. Can be three and zero in that division and put some distance, put a put three games between them and Philadelphia in the loss column. To me, that will um, that to me will be the that will be the deciding game of the division in my in my in my eyes because I don't see any of these other teams. I don't see Dallas getting better. I don't see that. I don't see the uh, even with Amari Cooper and the Giants are who they are. So again, you will even though it's against against an awful team. Anytime you win a divisional game on the road, you have to take it. Uh, again, Washington, we know the formula what for Washington is. That's what they're going to win it with their defense and their running game. Um, they're going to win it with their defense and running in their running game. Jameson Crowder missed another uh, missed another game. He'll hopefully be back next week. But until then, Washington improves to five and two, and they will host a struggling Atlanta Falcons team uh, next week at FedEx. Game of the day. One of the games of the year had to be L, uh, the Rams survived Green Bay 29-27. This is a game that Green Bay probably should have won. Um, Green Bay, for the first time all season long, to me, looked like a team that could get to the Super Bowl. Green Bay played, frankly, I thought play, I played the Rams in this game. Green Bay came out 10-0. Um, but they, Green Bay came out 10-0. They had an opportunity uh, down 29-27 to where Aaron Rodgers would have had the ball and had plenty of time left, at least two minutes left. But uh, a Ty Montgomery fumble on the kickoff sealed the deal for the uh, for the for the Packers. Um, again, the Rams fought. The Rams uh, showed some moxie. 
uh, for the second straight week winning a close game. Of course, last week it was 23-20 against Denver. This week, again, against a much tougher opponent in Green Bay. Green Bay looked like Green Bay. The defense, I thought, played well. They ran the ball. Aaron Rodgers didn't make any major mistakes. He was knocked around a little bit in the second half. Aaron Donald, right now, again, it will be the defensive player of the year. He's just been on a mission these last three games with, uh, the, with the six sacks. Uh, they couldn't block him. But for the most part, thought Green Bay uh, went toe-to-toe with the Rams. And the one thing that jumped out in terms of the game was the, the lack of the home field advantage that the Rams have on that field. That is not, I mean, they, listen, Packer fans travel as well as any fan base in the, in the, in the whole in, 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 uh, NFL. Maybe Pittsburgh is up there. Dallas, when they're good, can 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 uh, can be up in that, considered up, you know, can be, um, can travel a lot as well. They tra- can, can travel a lot on the road as well. But Green Bay, Pittsburgh are the two best traveling fan bases in the NFL. And they were, it had to be at least 40 or 50,000 Packer fans. You, I could, you couldn't barely hear the Ram fans at all. So that is something that, you know, um, if you're New Orleans, if you're Green Bay, if you're Minnesota, if you're a contending team in the NFC, you have no fear from the crowd standpoint of going uh, of going in that building. It is not a great home foot advantage whatsoever. But the problem is you have to play you have to play the most talented and complete team in the NFL right now from top to bottom. A key to leave will eventually come back. Um, they definitely miss him in the secondary without question. You can make plays on that on that against that Rams secondary, but you did. That's if you're keeping Aaron Donald out of the backfield and the Don Kansu as well. Uh, their defensive line is starting to play well. It's starting to play well as far as getting to the quarterback, creating pressure. Uh, but again, I, this to me, this game was more about what this, this this game was more about Green Bay looking finally looking like Green Bay. Jair Jair Alexander had a big time game against Brandon Cooks. I mean, really locked him up for the most part. Um, so I thought Green Bay played extremely well. And, and again, no one, with Minnesota losing, no one's running away with that division. Chicago, Detroit, none of those teams are running away with that division. So I still think that push comes to some, shove, Green Bay will find a way to uh, to win that division and, and get in the playoffs. The Saints manhandled the Vikings 30-20. to This was one of the most impressive wins of the season by a team. The Saints really went in there. And, and kick the Vikings' ass, to be honest with you. Uh, the turning point in this game, the biggest play or sequence in this game was late in this first half, uh, 13-10, 13-10 Minnesota. They're driving, and you get the Adam Thielen fumble. Um, the Saints turn that. Uh, the Saints get that, get the ball back, take it. Uh, the, the guy returns it back into Minnesota territory. Saints get a touchdown. They go up 17-13. 2013, and that, and they never looked back at that point. They completely took control, took control of the game, ended up going up as much as by, by, by 17, and again, never looked back after that play. That was the biggest play in the game, along with the pick, of course, with the pick six, which wasn't Kirk Cousins' fault. The receiver, um, I think it wasn't Thielen. It was Diggs stopped on a route, on a crossing route. He stopped, and Cousins threw it to where he thought uh, Diggs was going to be, and it got got returned for a touchdown to, uh, to really seal the game at 27-13. Um, give the Saints a lot of credit. Uh, the Saints are 
a fine-tuned machine, even on a night where Drew Brees doesn't crack 200 yards passing. The Saints are able to run the ball, play great defense, and really, really control, um, really take it to Minnesota in a tough place to play, one of the toughest places in the league to play. That was an impressive victory by the Saints, despite the fact that they were outgained 423 to 270. This is why you can't look at That's why sometimes numbers can be overrated in the NFL in terms of yards and stuff, in terms of uh, some of the yardage. But a good win by the Saints. They can they continue to roll on in the NFC South. Carolina stomps all over Baltimore, 36-21. Great win for Carolina. A, a surprising win. I, I did not expect I didn't see this coming in terms of the margin of victory. Uh Baltimore, after uh, you know, getting off to a relatively fast start, has stumbled the past two games, uh, losing a whole game to the Saints and now getting smacked around by Carolina. That Carolina-New Orleans game, Carolina-New Orleans is going to decide the division. Those two games are going to decide that division. Carolina's playing well right now defensively. They're getting to the quarterback, Cam Newton, making enough plays, and they're running the football. So that Carolina team, that again, the Washington victory over Carolina is looking better and better by the week, uh, to be honest with you. So Carolina, uh, Carolina keeps rolling, and they improve to 5-2 and two on the season as they try to keep pace with the uh with the New Orleans Saints. Seattle, Detroit 28-14. Seattle. And a nice win for Seattle. Uh Russell Westbrook was a Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson was efficient. 14-17 for 248. Um so Seattle quietly gotten back over 500. And you know they won't catch the Rams, but they will be in the thick of the wild card race in the in the uh NFC. So there you go with uh, week eight of the NFL action. Uh, tonight, you have Buffalo, Buffalo, New England, which you know should be a snoozer. Uh, Buffalo, of course, has been owned by New England ever since uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, ever since Tom Brady became the starting quarterback. In 2001, um, in 2001, he's, he's had his way He's had his way with the Buffalo Bills. I don't expect it to be any different tonight. Um, so, you know, you can definitely that that might be one that might be a game to skip out on without question. Um, and you know, watch Lakers, uh, Minnesota. As far as some of the NBA, as far as the NBA goes, um, a couple teams often. You know, we already mentioned about well, I talked about uh Ty Lu and you know what to deal with him. Uh, also you had Minnesota offering Four, four first-round picks to Houston. Excuse me, you got Houston offering four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler. Now, at first, I thought to myself, eh, it's way too much. It's way too much for one guy, especially for Jimmy Butler. Like, you offer that for Durant or Anthony Davis. But now that I think about it, listen, Houston is in win-now mode. Uh, it doesn't guarantee them anything if they get Jimmy Butler, but it, it doesn't hurt either. I mean, that team right now looks a mess. Um, those picks won't be any good anyway, considering that, you know, Minnesota, you'll have a, um, you'll have Butler, Harden, and Paul, in essence, for the next two to three years. So, you know, you assume that Houston's record is going to be, it's going to have one of the top records in the league. You might as well go for it now. I mean, you might, because when, when Paul falls off, that fall is going to be hard. It will not be, you know, 
it will not be a steady decline. It will be when Paul falls off, he's going to fall off the cliff as a as an agent point guard. So why not do it? Why not go for it right here, right now? You get Jimmy Butler, you get a top defensive player. Um, again, trying to fit into he needs the ball. Yeah, you had to iron out some kinks from that standpoint. He does need the ball, but at least he's a guy that's going to defend. Now you're going to sell him on being, you know, I you could I think you can sell him on being the second option in terms of scoring option because Paul Paul is a playmaker. So yes, Harden's going to be a guy that gets the majority of the shots. Jimmy Butler, I'm, if I'm trying to sell Jimmy Butler, I'm selling him on being the second scorer or top defensive player. That's what I'm selling him on. You. I wouldn't bring up the name Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker, but I'm saying that you're going to be our top defensive guy, our second second option scoring wise, getting buckets. So I would make the move if I'm Houston. Uh, it's gotten to that point where they they have to do something to shake things up. They cannot they cannot continue on with this team. This team is just not good enough. I mean, you know, Paul, again, Paul again, Paul is a aging point guard. He can still play, but the rest of the team, the rest of the team is just not good enough. You need a defense. You need a. You need some toughness defensively. You need a guy that can put that can get you some more buckets and defend as well. And right now, Jimmy Butler is, is the best out there. And right now, you have to take advantage of a Minnesota team that is that should be desperately wanting to trade him because you gotta get him out of there because he's Carl Anthony Towns right now looks like a shell of what he once was. Carl Anthony Towns, last time I checked, was averaging. You know, roughly 16 points and about nine rebounds. Those are not Carl Anthony Towns numbers. Well below the, the 23 and 12 that he was putting up last year. So they have to get him out of there. They have to get Jimmy Butler out of there as soon as possible just for the psyche of Carl Anthony Towns. Wiggins hasn't been bothered by uh, Towns. Excuse me, hasn't been bothered by Butler. But it's clear and evident that uh, Carl Anthony Towns has and certainly affected Carl Anthony Towns' game. It will continue to affect Carl Anthony Towns' game as long as Jimmy Butler is on that team. So, if I'm Houston, you make that you make that move, uh, you make that move, and you go, you try to you, you ride with uh, Harden, Paul, and uh, Jimmy Butler. Lakers off to a two and four start, but keep in mind they could easily be six and zero. Oh. Uh, lost, they you know, lost again to had a nice win against Denver, but lost to. Um, San Antonio on Saturday in San Antonio again a game that they probably should have won. Brandon Ingram will be back uh, tonight, so they'll be they'll have their full their t- their full team for the first time since the Houston game, which was the second game of the season. Of course, that was the fight uh, with the Chris Paul that was the uh, Chris Paul raising Rondo uh, fight. So Lakers will have their first will have their full team. Uh, he's starting ball. Which, which is the right move? Starting ball, having Rondo come off the bench. I actually thought Rondo played well against against San Antonio. Uh, for the most, played well against San Antonio. I know he had the little. I know he probably should have shot the layup at the end, but that's not. You know, that's neither here nor there. Overall, he played a solid game. Uh, LeBron, LeBron had his best, probably his best shooting game of the season against the Spurs, but it was not enough as the Lakers kind of fell apart in that fourth quarter. That's been one of the issues all seasons is closing games out. So they've struggled in terms of closing games out. But they've been in every game. And again, I think the Lakers will be like I think the Lakers will be fine. Um just a matter of getting those guys incorporated as far as whose role, who's gonna play, you know, 
with the lineups, what's going to be the closing lineup, how much, how much ball, Rondo. They got a few things. I mean, ball and heart should be the starting backcourt, but how much you're going to use Rondo, how much you're going to use some of their bench players. McGee has played great throughout the force. McGee and Stevenson have both played great as far as I'm concerned. So their bench players, for the most part, have played well. Um, again, they just have to close out. They just have to find a way to close out games. LeBron has to make free throws. And we'll and you'll see a four or five game winning streak come about uh, come about soon. As far as the rest of the NBA goes, Milwaukee, Toronto tonight. But again, no Kawhi Leonard. Second game he's missed. Something I'll be a little bit nervous about. Him missing a second game this early in the season. The Greek freak is playing like an MVP. Kawhi is certainly going to be in that conversation for MVP as well as you have Toronto, Milwaukee. But unfortunately. For Toronto and for you know NBA, NBA fans, you will have no uh, no Kawhi Leonard. Utah playing well. We already mentioned Golden State. Oklahoma City, despite winning his first game of the season against Phoenix, Phoenix continues to struggle. Uh, and amazingly, again, you can have two of the top fifteen to twenty players in the league and not get wins just based on having those two those two all stars. Um, part of the problem is Paul George. It seems to me that Paul George's head is still in L.A. Uh, last week, and we didn't get, didn't get the message because we weren't on. And Paul George is talking about, you know, being a Laker. If you know, if uh, Indiana wouldn't have traded him, he would have been a Laker. Why Paul George is still talking about the Lakers is beyond me. Uh, now he signed with Oklahoma City, committed there, got the big contract. But to, to me, I think he's second guessing it, second guessing his decision. So when you keep bringing up L.A., and I'm, if, I'm with, if I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm tired of hearing about Paul George talking about L.A. At a certain point, are you with us? Are you, are you with us or you're not? So that team does not look good. They can't shoot if their lives depending on it. And we knew that coming into the season. That's one thing Andre Robertson will not fix. He might help them defensively, but he will not help them as far as making jumps, as far as making shots, uh, making outside shots. In terms of the college football, a uh, nice bounce back win for Georgia as they manhandle Florida. You had Kentucky surviving uh, Missouri in the last play of the game. So Kentucky, so it will make that Kentucky-Georgia game have some meaning to it. Uh, you will have the big game in the SEC this year coming up uh, on Saturday, primetime, Alabama hosting LSU. Alabama is like uh, 14 and a half, 15 point favorites. Right now, you already there. All, all, there's uh, some talk about this possibly being the best Alabama team that Nick Saban has ever had. Uh, they've been they've been rolling everybody. So right now, it might be hard to to disagree with. Though I do like that that 2019, but that 2011, 2012, those two was either 09 or, or, or 2012. The team that beat 2011 team, the team that that, that smacked LSU in that national championship game, 21 nothing. That team was loaded. The pros, but uh, Alabama's been rolling everybody uh, up until this point. So LSU, as we know, LSU has a great defense. We know LSU has a great defense, still in a great running game, but the quarterback situation will not be enough to, to handle Alabama. I don't understand how Florida and LSU don't have quarterbacks. I just don't get it. I mean, Florida has a legit, has a real championship defense. I'm watching the Florida Georgia game. I'm saying this is a waste of defensive talent. It was, like Florida did not, did not lose that game because of their defense. Their offense is so bad 
the defense was constantly putting in, you know, short fields, offense, you know, three and outs left and right there. I mean, their offense did them no favors in that game against Georgia. So it was, you, you see the score and you think, you know, you think about their defense, think their defense was the problem, but it was not, their defense was not the issue to me in that Georgia game. Uh, again, I don't understand why, what LSU and Georgia are, excuse me, what LSU and Florida are doing in terms of recruiting quarterbacks. Um, they get skill position players, they get running backs, they get the offensive linemen. We know what they do get defensively, but they just cannot recruit quarterbacks if their lives depending on it. So um, you still have, you know, outside the big, outside the top four, Michigan is still in the mix. Georgia is still in the mix. Uh, Texas is done as far as being in the mix. They lost Lewis in Oklahoma State, so you can, you can cancel them out. Oklahoma is still in the mix in terms of one loss team. So there's still a couple, three or four one loss teams that are still have opportunity, have an opportunity to reach uh, the college football playoffs. But as we all know, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame all control their own destiny. LSU as well, all control their own destiny as far as getting into the playoffs. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening.